Well, let's see. You said the snake has a tit, a rattle, right? Yep. How big is that? Oh, it's fucking big. Um, the rattles don't really weigh weigh very much. Well, I mean, when it's twelve feet long. <laughs> could we? Is it enough that we could cinch it up to the horse and drag it back? Yeah, you guys have enough rope to do that. Um, it's going to make your trip back much slower. What is the snake hide with the scales like? Is it pretty, pretty damn tough? Could we cut through it? I mean, you would have to spend quite a bit of time cutting through it. Um, it seems like, it seems like when you try and go at it with just normal knives and stuff like that, that it definitely, even while it's dead and even after it's sitting out in the sun for a little while, because I mean, you guys have probably already spent a couple of hours harvesting some of this stuff. It still doesn't have any give to it whatsoever. Like, it's still very hard to get through this scale. Tom is going to kind of tip his hat up slightly, wipe his forehead, and say, All right. Got teeth and a rattle. Is there anything else that you think we should take off this snake? Uh, no. But I think we still need to look for that egg. Don't think this thing is enough. Ugh. I I don't know. Uh, Are the horses nearby? I can't remember. Um. Yeah. If I recall, you guys basically stayed on your horses until you got into combat, so they're fairly close by. Yeah. Maybe within thirty feet or so. So I put the I put the snake fangs in the bag and start tying up the rattle. And uh, they're not fitting in a bag, but you can strap them to the horses. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think uh I think it needs to be it needs to be stated that you're not carrying two of these at a time. Like and Tom is fairly strong. Like he's <laughs> one of those guys that he takes off his button up shirt and you're like, Oh whoa, you must work out <laughs> a lot. That's Well, when you don't have any friends, there's nothing to do but sit in your room all day. Doing making pu- or fucking making push ups. Why would I say making push ups? <laughs> <laughs> Making push-ups, very nice. <laughs> where do you think we should start to track down these eggs? Well, let's follow where the snake come from. Very well, I'll be right behind you. Always behind me, huh? <laughs> Why don't you make me a survival check, please, Igmet? Okay. That is 25. Oh, yeah, okay. Mind you, it's not a hard trail to follow for a bit of it, just because of the fact that this thing was pushing so much dirt and rock and other things like that out of the way that it's a fairly visible mound that's not that hard to follow. But (laughs) once you get to the part where it first became visible to you... What the fuck is so funny, Brian? Lord, you're giggling like my little sisters. I was searching for a gift and I found this dog one. What? We can't hear you because you're too busy cackling like a moron. I'm searching for gifts. I found this dog one. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Keep going. Could you pay attention instead, please, for the love of fucking God? 
This is okay. why Tom is the way he is. I'm pulling myself together. <laughs> Shit. Lord in heaven. I need your father close by to spray you with a spray bottle right now. I would pay money to that man. Oh, man. I'm good. All right. So anyway, you you kind of have trouble figuring out where it would have went other than down though when you get when you get kind of the to the end of this mound. And I mean, you guys traveled for a good distance before you get to the end of it. Would we have any equipment on our horses like one of those little shovel that you know what I'm talking about? Like a I don't know, do you think Igmit sh- would have a camp shovel? I figure he would. Well, then he does. There you go. Tom wouldn't know to bring one, but Igmit probably would. Yeah, de- Tom definitely doesn't have a fucking shovel. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Tom. I'm going to start digging, and uh, if you see anything moving but me, you start shooting. Will do. I pull out my guns. And uh, I start digging. Uh, give me give me an athletics check. This is just going to be kind of more like how long this takes you, not necessarily how hard it is. 13. So you're making fairly good progress, but the sand is still sort of filling in as you're digging the hole. Uh, you know, each scoop that you take, maybe half as much sand will fill back in. And so, I mean, it takes some hours before you finally get maybe, I would say you get about four to five feet through, and I would say a good three-foot diameter hole. Damn, all right. And you can see that there are tunnels down there. Like, there is definitely a tunnel that you could drop down into. I mean... There's there's a decent amount of sand that's kind of fallen down from you digging this hole, and so you're fairly confident that even though it might be a longer drop than you're expecting, you might have something a little bit soft to land on. <clears throat> Please tell me we're not going down there. You bet your ass I am. Now, <laughs> throw me one of them rocks that you can light up. <laughs> um... I pick up a rock and I light it up and I hand it to him. Thank you. Uh, and Igmit is gonna uh, try and slide down. Um, you can with... see in the dark, Igmit. Oh, that's well. I all right. I should Leave. have remembered that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Leave the rock at the bottom so I can see inside. Good. Now, that was my plan. Um, (laughs) now i recommend that you say something before you show your face again i'm a little jumpy after that snake all righty i'll holler up before i come up so you drop down into here i'm not even gonna make you roll anything it's only about a 15 foot drop and the way that you have to kind of shimmy down in there you know, your legs sort of hang down, which really only makes it maybe 10 foot. You know what I mean? And so it's it's really not a long drop. And 
It's definitely a fairly large cavern, but it's not made of stone. It's just tightly packed dirt that's been moved out of the way. And you notice, though, that that a lot of this sand seems to be scorched from an intense heat. And you would assume that that's probably from the electricity that's uh, that was coursing through this snake as it was moving. I, I'm going to holler up to Tom. Tom, tie a rope to one of the horses and drop it down here. Hmm. We've used a lot of our rope. I'll see what we have. You have probably uh, enough to drop down there. Because you guys would have 100 feet between the two of you. Should the horse be stationary? Yeah. So uh, if there's any sort of tree or anything, cactus or whatever nearby, I'm going to try and cinch up the horse and then drop the rope down. Yeah, you find a nice big saguaro not too far, and you very carefully tie the reins around this cactus and then lower the rope down. I don't know why I didn't just tie the rope to the cactus, but it's all good. (laughs) Fair. Tom just did what he was told. (laughs) So yeah, you are going to be alone in the desert for probably two, two and a half hours. What are you doing in the meantime, Tom? Well, we said there's a cactus and I remember there was a rock face of sorts. Is there like, what do we got for shade and stuff? There isn't a whole lot. There's a decent amount around uh, around this mound that this snake created, but that's about the best that you can find is, uh, you know, just leaning up against one of the rocks that that this snake pushed up and kind of created a decent little shadow. But it's still pretty hot in the shade. I assume we're getting into towards noon. Oh yeah, you guys are. You guys are probably. I would say at this point, it's past noon. You know, you spent all that time taking off the rattle, all that time taking off the fangs and stuff. You're getting into the dog day, or the dog time, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's probably like 1, 2, 2.30 in the afternoon right now, and the sun is just beating down. It's probably 110 degrees right now, like... That 5 o'clock sun, it's the worst. Actually, why don't you make me a constitution saving throw? Nine. Consistent with my terrible roles for constitution. You're starting to feel pretty rough. Like, you're... You have water and you drink it and it makes you feel a little bit better, but you're still just feeling a little bit weak and woozy. And... I'm gonna say that if you fail another one of these, I'm gonna give you a point of exhaustion. So Tom waits diligently by the hole. For half an hour. And then he starts wandering around, checking out his surroundings. God damn it, Tom. (laughs) I don't know why the orcs would live out here. I don't know why anyone would want to live out here. Some days I miss the city. Old Man River. (laughs) Sure is hot out here. He goes and he tries to sit in the shade and it doesn't do too much good, especially since he's all in black and he starts sweating profusely and he double checks to make sure that there really is nobody around and takes his hat off and starts fanning himself. He says, I hope he hasn't gotten eaten. 
I wonder if I should go down after him. Um, how long do you think you think he's going to be two hours one way or two hours total that he's gone? He's going to be gone for at least two hours. So I think about an hour and a half in, as I'm just dying of heat, uh, I'd be willing to do one more check if you want, but otherwise I'm going to jump into that hole. Yeah, why don't you do another check uh, before you jump in? <laughs> and that's a three. So, <laughs> All right, you have a point of exhaustion, which means that any saving throws and ability checks that you make, you take at disadvantage. All right. So, like, when you're doing perception, athletics, acrobatics, stuff like that, um, they're at disadvantage. Once he hits the point of exhaustion, he starts making his way down that rope, and he's he's kind of given as best he can water for the horses, but I don't assume that he did a great job, and then he goes down the hole. Why don't you roll me an animal handling check before you go down the hole? Hey, 19. You feel like you did a pretty decent job. You've been watching Igmet take care of the horses the last uh, couple nights that you've been hanging out with him and also over the you know time that you've just known him in general and some of it seems to have rubbed off on you you're becoming a better horse rider and uh groomer altogether. i mean maybe you've got a profession in your future <laughs> i am not going to delve into this tunnel very deep i'm just going to kind of hang underneath the hole trying to get some shade and wait for Igmet down there with my little rock light oh it's much cooler down here But why don't you make me a perception check? Nine. You, every so often, hear just the sound of something skittering around you, and you look around, and you can't see anything or find anything, but you just get this feeling like there's something else down there with you. Okay. I don't like this. Tap, 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 skitter. Tom is going... Now, is there just one... Is there just, like, two directions in this tunnel? Like, to and fro? Correct, yep. You can either go back towards uh, the direction that you guys came from, or you can follow Igmet. And actually, why don't you make me a survival check to see if you would go the right direction? That's a 12. Yeah, you would. You 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 think you are pretty confident. Like you look at the direction that the rope is and you kind of remember where the saguaro is and as you're thinking about this, you hear more legs skittering around and echoing throughout the cavern. So I start thinking really hard and really detailed about that horrible horrible image that was haunting me of Joe Moore's split in half head. <laughs> And I cast locate object. Okay. So if it's within if it's within a thousand feet of me, if it's in motion, I know the direction of its movement. You definitely think that you know you know exactly where the direction is. Like you know that you would need to go down the tunnel the direction that Igmit was heading. I think I'm gonna follow that uh, that radar sense. You see a shadow dart in the corner of your eye as you're thinking about where you're going to go. <laughs> the gun comes out. <laughs> tap, 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 skitter, skitter, skitter. 
I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start walking awkward, like I'm facing where the skitter was from, but I'm walking towards where the Igmit locator is going. So when you turn your head and look back the other direction, you hear more tapping and skittering behind you. Does this sand Pacwa? It seems to have been fused uh, fairly well. Um, You could probably make like a dirt clod with it if you wanted. I cast light on my dirt clod and I overhand it over towards where the skittering came from with light. It explodes into little shrapnels of light that uh, sort of bounce off the off the walls of this cavern and you think you see a shadow for a second before the light goes out because your dirt clod breaks as it hits the ground. I start running into the tunnel. As you're running, um, go ahead and make me a perception check. It's at disadvantage still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to roll a second time. That's a nat one plus four. Oh, okay. So you you think that something is definitely chasing you at this point. You can just hear that skittering and tapping. It's getting closer and louder, and it's echoing off of the walls and into your ears, and it just... Every single time that you turn and try and look at it, you see another flash of something moving in the other direction, and everything just seems to be complete and utter chaos, even though you cannot find anything around you. This tunnel seems completely empty, except for the noises and the things that your eyes keep telling you. I know better than to take a shot in the cave. That's why we're at the art camp in the first place. (laughs) Go ahead and make me a wisdom saving throw. Nat 20 plus four. You kind of stop for a second and you really take stock of your body and just how exhausted and dehydrated that you feel. And you're starting to wonder if all of this is in your head. I'm going to stop and listen again, this time with an, like intentionally listen. You don't hear anything anymore now that you're not moving. You just hear the sound of your own breath and your heartbeat just thumping in your chest. <sighs> now I really miss Farport. I'm going to sit down in the sand. Flump. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think I'm just going to hang here for a while. All right, I'm going to go over to Igmet then. So, Igmit, the first thing that you notice as you're traveling down this tunnel is that the the elevation changes rather rapidly. Um, not in the way that it slopes so much as, like, you'll be going down at a fairly level grade and then things will drop off maybe 10 feet. And then, you know what I mean? Like, the moves are very erratic and also the tunnel seems to kind of almost snake side to side going left and right so you can't really see around the next bend until you get up to it but this is after you've been traveling through this tunnel after for quite some time it seems like almost as if it was making a beeline towards you for a while there and you're starting to get into more of its naturalistic movements if that makes sense yeah yeah okay and you travel down these uh, tunnels for 
what seems like a long time and the only thing to accompany you is the sound of your own breath and your heartbeat. And it's nice and cool down here because you feel like you're probably fairly deep underground and if you weren't so confident in the pack of this dirt, you might be a little bit nervous because a cave-in would mean certain death. But you, you continue on for maybe another hour and a half or so and you come to a, an opening of sorts and you can see that there's this dull sort of bluish glow um, emanating from this, from this sort of opening and this widening out. And also you notice that around where it widens out, it seems as though it's stone and no longer sand, and it seems to be natural as opposed to created by this snake. I'm going to draw my bow. Okay. And um, could I make, I don't know, would that be like a stealth check to try and approach yeah, yeah, it yeah, stealthily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. 15. All right. So you... um. You feel like you're being pretty quiet. You you know, like I said, there's really only your breath and your heartbeat to accompany you down here. And that is all you hear. Like, you don't even hear the sound of your boots really scraping against the ground. I mean, you do, but it's so very slight. And as you walk into this opening, you see that it's maybe 35 feet in diameter, and it's definitely natural there are openings that extend going off to your left and right but hugging the wall to your left there are these oval shaped bluish orbs that are crackling with this bluish energy huh. and they're sort of like uh, there's sort of like some sand like nestled up against them and there are three of them how big are they they're about uh they're about three feet in diameter oh shit okay i mean they're rather large you're probably only going to be able to carry one can i make a nature check or something try and uh take a get a better understanding of what they might be i mean if you're thinking that these might be the snake eggs. You feel you're feeling pretty confident that that's what it is. All like right. I don't even want. I don't even need to make you roll for that. I'm gonna approach them carefully, and um, just look around the cave one more time. Make sure that another snake isn't burrowed in there somewhere that I can't. Make me a perception check. That's a five. You don't think there's anything else down here? I'm going to go up to the, to the snake eggs and reach out with an arrow and try and touch one and just see if, if there's any effect to the arrow, like if it shocks it or something. You see the uh, electricity sort of crackles along the metal tip of your arrow a little bit, but it doesn't, like, send it soaring out of your hand or it doesn't arc up into your body or anything like that but you also haven't touched it personally yet i'm gonna take off my vest 
and kind of wrap it around one of the eggs and see if I can pick it up like that. Make me an athletics check. It's a dirty 20. So you take this thing, this egg and you sort of ho- hoist it over one shoulder and carry it sort of like a, like a log. And <laughs> as it presses up against your face and shoulder, you can feel those muscles twitching. And so if somebody were looking at you from <laughs> at this very moment, like one side of your face is just sort of twitching and spasming sort of uncontrollably. <laughs> As you're holding this thing, like it's not doing any damage to you, but it definitely doesn't feel nice. And I would say <laughs> after holding this thing for a little while, like your muscles definitely start to tingle and and just feel like that uh, that lactic acid is sort of building up in them because they're constantly working and flexing and stuff. Hmm. <laughs> you absolutely think that you could run back to Tom like this, though. Just power through it. Yeah, you think you could. Put it down at your crotch. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> then I'm gonna pick up my pace and just start chugging along. Um, All right, make me an athletics check, please. Another one. That's a nat twenty, and if you add my athletics to it, that's a thirty, which is just absurd. Um, Okay, so you are... (laughs) You are trucking along this tunnel. Like, now that you've been through it once, you haven't committed it to memory necessarily, but you definitely feel a lot more comfortable with your footing. And so this allows you to just move at an incredible pace. And I'm going to say, though, that uh, after an hour of carrying this, this egg you're gonna probably want to switch arms that you're holding it with just because like the one arm just is starting to lose feeling and it's starting to go numb at this point. And you you just don't know if you're gonna be able to hang on to it uh, reliably if you keep up with this arm. I'll slow down and switch arms. And then when you pick back up the pace, you're immediately flying through these tunnels again and uh, after about another hour, uh, Tom, make me a perception check. You're still at disadvantage. I didn't think I could roll any lower, and then I did. Damn that's, it to hell. That's an eight. Okay, so you see this ghostly blue apparition appear very distant down the uh, tunnel that... Uh, towards the direction that Igmet went. What would you like to do? So I went down there in the last, I think I said half an hour or whatever. So I guess I, I guess my spell is worn off by now. I'm going to throw my rock at it. <laughs> okay, it's, you throw your rock, but it seems like this is still pretty far away. Um, and make me another perception check. You think that you see the this large form, this large bluish form sort of running towards you, but it definitely doesn't seem like it's on the ground when it's running towards you, and it's just moving towards you at this incredible pace. And at this point, you can hear heavy breathing and snorting and these heavy <laughs> footfalls as well, though. 
I'm gonna start running the opposite direction. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to get out of this hole. All right, so um, why don't you make me an athletics or an acrobatics check to get up this rope as this uh, as this thing is getting closer? Eight. All right, so you jump up onto the rope and you climb a, f a few times hand over hand, but you don't remember to set your feet so that you can have something to lock yourself in with. And so you slide back down the rope and get a nice burn on your hands as you're going down. And you can see that that bluish light is starting to get even closer to you and you can hear that these footfalls are starting to get louder and the breathing is getting heavier. And why don't you make me another perception check and another athletics check to try and get up this rope? 12 perception. Net one plus three athletics or acrobatics. Okay, so you turn around and you think that you see that there is an orc bathed in blue light <laughs> sprinting at you. And so you jump up onto this rope and you get maybe halfway up with your jump because your adrenaline is just coursing through your veins. And as you go to grasp onto it, though, your hands completely miss. And so you flail your arms and legs around and then fall, bam, right onto your back and your breath is knocked out of you. <laughs> And you look up and you see Igmet staring you in the face. <laughs> what the hell are you scared of? It's just me. I'm going to try to respond and it'll come out. <laughs> what, what's wrong? <laughs> You've been smoking too many of them cigars. I'll tell you what, boy. <laughs> I'm going to sit up and take a moment to catch my breath and look at his, uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to like, I'm going to have a struggle because I'm, I'm trying to catch my breath, but then I also start laughing because Igmet's face is going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny to watch him talk because his one side <laughs> of his cheek is just <laughs> gyrating uncontrollably. <laughs> Once I've kind of got a hold of myself, I'm going to start climbing the rope, and uh, I'm not very happy about my hands. Fair. It's definitely an uncomfortable climb as this hempen rope sticks into the open wounds on your hands. Once we get to the top, I'm going to do a... I'm going to cure wounds, but not just for my hands. I took a lot of damage with that snake, and I'm so tired, so I'm just going to try and rejuvenate myself real quick. Okay. Yeah, you guys never took a rest after that, did you? Because you went straight to taking <laughs> trophies. We got down to business. Eight. All right. Got back my health. It's late in the afternoon at this point, and uh, you guys are probably going to have to camp out in the woods again tonight and then get back to the orc camp tomorrow. Let's just put you guys at the campfire. Like, let's put you guys right at the same clearing that you guys camped out at last night. Okay. We'll just fast forward to there. So that egg is just going to stay all shocky while it's sitting in the pack or whatever. Absolutely. Igmit, do you suppose they use those eggs in some way? Maybe. Uh... <clears throat> Perhaps for some magical uh, process, or hell, maybe they eat it. I don't know. 
I wonder if it makes a self-cooking omelet. <laughs> do you think the things you say are clever, or do you just <laughs> gotta get them out of your mouth? <laughs> Tom frowns and pokes at the fire. How do you think the orc chief will feel once we bring back the fangs and the tail as well? I figure he'll be impressed. I hope, at least. I don't know. How would you feel about going back by yourself? I could wait outside. Mm, I, you'll be safe. Uh, they, they won't hurt me. They won't hurt you. I, we've proven ourselves. They gave us a task and we, we did it. With my luck, they would assume that you did it. No, I'll vouch for you. You did a damn good job today. I don't know. Maybe it'd be better if you didn't. I'm finally starting to get used to playing this servant role. I may as well... May as well do the part. Uh, that, that, that's just your... Your cover. I just wanted to... You know, they see a pale face like you. You don't know what they're gonna do. No, I get it. I guess I'm just mostly upset with myself. In some ways, I feel like I'm on the receiving end of the way that we treat orcs back in Farport. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Well, in the time that we haven't been fighting snakes and collecting eggs, I've been thinking about it. I just feel like the outcast in that society. I feel like... I feel very small. Well, it's a good learning experience for you, then. A little bit of turning the tables. What the hell do those orcs eat that make them so large anyway? I think they're just born big. Probably those damn electric eggs. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know that much about orc life either. I mean, my my uncle Diabetes, he he <laughs> taught me a little bit. You know, about the customs and you know, the Spiritual teachings, how to fight, how to live, but I don't know. I I'm half human, half orc, but sometimes I feel like nothing. I don't quite fit in in either place. After seeing the way that they live. And the task that they sent us on, I can't say I'm enthusiastic about meeting this shaman and looking at his practices. Who knows what he'll do to you? Uh, I'm one of their kind. I'm proven blood, as they say now. I'm hoping they'll help me, but I don't think they'll hurt me none. Probably make you drink blood. That ain't that bad. Tom kind of gags at the very thought of it. You've never drank cat blood? It's real tasty. <laughs> no. <laughs> Since we're all the way out here anyway, let's say, assuming things go well and we don't end up on their dinner plates, maybe we should check out their market. Well, these folks, they don't use gold. We already saw that. I think they just trade. 
I, I don't know what they'd really have to offer. Maybe they're looking for some giant snake fangs. Maybe. We could try trading them. I don't know what it was, if it was the snake or the heat of the day or being down in that cave, but I'm terribly tired. You know, you can't wear all black out in the desert. It's just asking <laughs> the sun to bake you like a piece of bread. You gotta wear earth tones like me. Tom kind of gives your outfit a like, uh, <laughs> an unapproving glance and he says, I don't think I could do it. You know, this is this is my brand. <laughs> for a bunch of men that go around killing people for a living, we sure do talk about clothes a lot. Say <laughs> <laughs> we hit the hay. That's a good idea. You sleep well, feller. Indignant. Yeah. If you try to pull what you pulled last night, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> That's noted. <laughs> I'm going to say that you guys get through the night just fine. Um, okay. You guys wake up and start breaking camp and, you know, eating your breakfast and stuff. And you can do whatever it is that you want to do before you guys take off to the orc camp then. And you're no longer exhausted, Tom. You just needed some sleep. All right, so you guys start to make your way through this uh, pine forest, and it thickens along the way, and eventually you get to the area where the trees have been clear-cut for about 500 feet or so around this orc camp, and you start to ride in and approach the front gates, and as with the, the last time, there are a few... Um, there are a few orcs out in front of it, but they don't ride up to you like menacingly like they did last time. They just wait for you to approach. And as you guys get closer, though, you can see them start to chatter amongst themselves and not in like an aggressive way, but in like a incredulous way. And the gates open in front of you. I'm going to lean over. I don't get the impression that they were expecting us to return. I don't think so either. They ain't angry. So, I'm gonna assume they're mildly impressed. At him saying that, Tom is suddenly gonna feel a little bit more relaxed. You, you guys hear um, the sound of a few horns go off? Like, in sort of a succession, like one of them will happen and then a few seconds will pass and another one will happen. And so as you guys start to make your way into the orc camp more, you see a lot of these orcs are sort of piling out and making a line along this thoroughfare that you guys are going down. And Igmit, you can hear in orcish that so many of them are whispering to each other like they killed it. You know, they're, they're just... In, in shock and utter disbelief. I guess, could I make a perception roll to see if this is positive or negative feedback? Yeah, roll insight. That's a uh, 14. You don't really take it as either. You take it as they're 
incredulous. You know what I mean? Like they are in utter disbelief that these outsiders would go and kill this creature that countless of their tribes members have barely escaped with an egg so that they can, you know what I mean? Like you get the feeling that this ritual was a very real ritual that many of these orcs have gone through or at the very least the warriors and so the fact that not only did you come back with an egg, you came back with pieces of this snake. Dragging behind our horses. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna tip my hat to the crowds. Maybe you can give a small smile uh, <laughs> at, at the folks. Um, you say Igmit speaks orcish fluently, right? Yeah. Yeah, Uncle Diabetes taught you. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I just start saying hello to the folks and keep riding along. You know, we're pulling the, the rattle. A lot of the kids wave at you and, and definitely say hello back. They're incredibly uh, impressed. And that's definitely the only applause that you get. Like, the adults still seem very reserved and guarded, but the kids are very uh very smitten with igmit at this point nice what are you doing tom when we get to the chief's place i'm gonna dismount i'm gonna dig through my pack and pull out um a tin travel fork and i'm gonna go hand it to one of the guards and say i'm still interested <laughs> But he, he slaps you on the back. He liked that a lot. <laughs> Tom is finally feeling like um, one of the boys in a sense. Uh, but he's not going to go in to the see the chief. He's going to wait outside. So, Igmit, as you walk in, you see that large orc, uh, Gija, who was dressed in the mismatched cotton clothes and the tattered, faded Stetson. Hmm. <laughs> The guy who was speaking for Urgot, the chief. Okay. And he's standing near the entrance, and he says, Bring in your friend. You sure? Urgot would like to look upon the face that has helped you defeat Savorm Unake. Tom, come in. Tom's face pokes in after a while and looks in the door, and then he kind of gives it admitted, uh, really? gesture you see that this room is filled with a bunch of orcish warriors and there you would guess at least a dozen maybe more there's a lot of taxidermied animals around the area of this place and then upon this throne there is this huge orc with this mottled green skin and deep scarring across his body and he's the only one that's wearing a loincloth um, and he's got this bear skull on top of his head, like, and he's wearing it as a helmet with these shocks of matted hair hanging out from the sides. I mean, he's just massive. And next to him is Gija, the orc that you recognize from your original encounter when the, when they all rode up on you guys. And he seems to do the speaking for the chieftain. And so what do you guys do when you walk in? I just stand right in front of the chief, and I pound on my chest. 
I am Gijack. And I just keep saying, Gijack. I'm not doing anything. Are you just standing next to Igmit then? Yep. Anxiety is kicking back in a little bit. <laughs> Gija looks you over for a moment and then looks over towards his king. and uh, Or towards his chief, I should say. The chief nods at him. And Gija walks up towards you guys and he says, This snake has provided eggs for a ritual for many, many decades. The chief is concerned that without the ritual, we would lose our ways. You were not instructed to kill the creature. Why have you done this? Tried to kill us. There's two more eggs out there. They'll hatch and be just fine. How did you kill the creature? I point to my scatter gun and my tomahawks, and then I nod over to uh, Tom. I kind of smirk and say, and a little bit of help from a couple of dynamites. He looks over at you, Tom, and narrows his yellowish eyes and says, You killed Savorm Unake with him. Ha <laughs> ha! Impossible. Now you listen here, feller. Tom might be a lot of things, but he ain't a liar. I kind of cut him off and say, Well, of course, the truth is, he did most of the work, all the hacking and slashing. All I did was light the dynamite and toss it in. You are brave to stand in front of Savamunake. Many have perished. We did not expect you to return. Well, I was told that if we brought back an egg, and I might know what I brought quite a bit back more, that I could see the shaman and get healed. Ergot does not believe that this deal will be upheld. Why not? You have killed Savor Munake. If we perform the ritual for you, we will not be able to perform it for our own warriors. I told you, there's two more eggs out there. They'll hatch soon. You've got plenty of snakes. You have not brought those eggs. You have only brought one. We must send someone else out there into the desert to retrieve them. This may cost lives. That ain't my problem. You will get nothing and you will like it. Leave the egg and leave us. I want to speak to the chief myself. No one who is not Gijok will speak to the chief. I am Gijok. So you guys are staring at each other tensely for a little bit. And as you're doing this, you see that all of the warriors immediately prostrate themselves. Like they go down to their knees and press their faces to the ground. And from behind you, you hear, That will be quite enough, Gija. And when you turn around, you see not quite as large as the chieftain, but a relatively sturdy-looking orcish woman. She's got a red bandana in her hair, sort of holding it so that it doesn't fall around her face. And But you can still see that there are different beads and, like, small animal skulls that are like put into the ends of them to keep the to keep them in their cascading position 
and small white tusks protrude from her mouth and you see that there's a lot of feathers and predator teeth hanging from necklaces and and attached to the leather that makes up her outfit um but under it there's a dark green cotton shirt um and like all of this stuff sort of jingles about her as she strides towards you guys and um as soon as Gija notices her, he also prostrates himself. And you notice that the chief is also sort of giving deference. Like, he doesn't bow, but he he definitely seems to have, have, have changed his demeanor and his stance as well. Igmit is going to bow, and he's going to nudge Tom to do the same. Reluctantly, Tom takes a knee. Bowing is not necessary. I am Wiyuke. I am the one that you retrieved the egg for. But I have already seen that you have brought pieces of the snake. And I do believe that there will be enough of the great desert spirit's energy in them that I can find a way to perform more rituals with them, should you be willing to part. And she uh, lowers her voice a little bit and says... It would make it quite a bit easier for me to calm down Ergot. And then goes back to kind of standing up tall. We can do that. If they didn't want us to kill it, they should have sent us after a bigger monster. Well, we're all quite, quite shocked that, uh, that you managed to kill it. And I think that I'm going to do something else that Ergot is not going to like very much, but... I think that you are also going to undergo the ritual, should you be interested. Really? Well, yes. I assume you came here for a purpose, right? Yes, I was... You wanted to see me over some affliction that happened to both of you? You're the shaman. Let your friend speak, oh morose one. And she looks away from Tom. (laughs) I was hurt. And you're the only one I could think of that would have the magic to fix that. So I thought I'd come out to the camp and claim my blood right and uh, see you. Should you go through with Riave Rodukav, you will be bound to this tribe. But it will also make you whole again in a way. Well, ma'am, when you say bound, does that mean I can't leave the camp? I can't... No, of course you can leave. Your free will is your own. But should there come a time to choose between clan and non-clan, the decision should be made for you. I must be able to assure her God. Or whoever is chief at that time. She says kind of lowly. <laughs> I never really had a family before. Never been part of the clan. You know, I'm I'm just half orc, you know. But damn, that sure does sound nice to be a part of something. You said your name is Igmet, yes? Igmet Yazi. Duukav will deaden 
that part of you. Just a bit. It's hard to explain until you've experienced it, but... The ritual is not to be undertaken lightly. I understand. Some go mad. You will see directly the great desert spirit. The energy that flows within all of us. And she'll look at you, Tom, and say, even you. Hmm. I'm surprised you're not more curious about my accent. Uh, you know what? I just just noticed that. The deputy over here kind of had me pissed off. Uh, where did you get your accent? That doesn't sound like any orc I've ever heard before. I, like you, have spent much of my time away from here, and I needed a favor at one point. And I underwent the ritual, and it changed me. Permanently. I see. Well, I don't see any reason why I've come this far, and a man has to be confident in who he is. So I want the ritual to be done on me. And what about you? She looks at you, Tom. He kind of scoffs. <laughs> no, I'm quite all right, thank you. Don't, don't offend the lady. Well, no, if he doesn't wish... I have no other way of restoring you to your former self. So should you choose to not undertake the ritual, I cannot heal you. Oh, I'm sure I'll manage. The gas down in the mine didn't do that much damage to me. <coughs> Your friend is rather foolish, is he not? Or is it cowardly? Oh, I'd say a little bit of both. But he's a good man at the end of the day. I understand if you want to refuse, but... I think that if you are returning... To that settlement that decided to dig into the sacred mountains, you're going to need all the strength you can get. Well, ma'am, we're actually trying to resolve that issue. And well, after I get healed up, if you don't mind, I'm fixing to talk to the chief and uh, setting up a bit of a parlay so we can try and resolve things. Let's not talk about things like this in front of a god. Let's let us return to my tent and have a more private conversation. That's a good idea. Tom, you can stay here with the warriors if you like. And she starts to head out. <laughs> I'm following Igmit. And you guys uh you guys go past those large sandstone ruins that you saw in the center of this camp and off in sort of the northwest corner of it, there is a, a rather sizable tent. Um, and inside, there are just so many jars of little creatures floating in liquid. There's various skulls with notes written on them in charcoal. And there's lots and lots of papers strewn across... Uh, you know, shelves and desks and things like that. Um, the majority of the paper is vellum. I should say that um, it's not actual paper. But uh, 
there is just so much stuff here. And then just a very simple cot, which is just a, an animal skin stretched with little pieces of leather string, you know, sort of suspending it in a wooden frame. And a small hearth with a very small cauldron over it. Um, and it doesn't even look like the hearth has been lit anytime recently. And she goes and, uh, like, pushes some things off to the side and pulls out some chairs and sets them down for you guys and, uh, kind of beckons you guys to sit. What does this ritual entail? Well, I will... We'll gather up most of the clan and they'll... They'll sing a song, basically. But... Also, we'll crack open that egg that you, well, that you gathered. And I'm going to mix it with a few other herbs. And you're going to drink it. And you'll be able to see the great desert spirit. I see. It's a bit raw for my taste in eggs, but I guess if that's how you do it. Certainly not the way Ms. Polly makes them. No, certainly not. But I, uh, know of no other way to heal you. Igmet kind of stutters. I'll really see the great desert spirit? You'll see how it flows in and out of us both. And your friend. Any living creature is touched by the spirit. Some of us, however, have an ability to call upon it to do amazing and incredible things. Igmit was investigating some mysterious things back in Fillmore's Crossing. And seeing as I was assisting him, I suppose it would be prudent to meet with any sort of higher power if there's the opportunity. We have a lot of questions to ask. As far as I know, it's the only higher power. Yes, of course. You'll see soon enough. When can we do the ceremony? Tonight. You'll be incapacitated, in a sense, for quite some time. The poultice is quite powerful, and it takes quite some time for it to run through its full effect. Igmit, I suppose we'll have a moment or two to visit the marketplace in the meantime. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, why don't we worry about the market tomorrow? <laughs> I, uh, I think I want to be alone with my thoughts for a while uh, before we do this. What about you, Tom? What do you want to do? If Igmit's going to go in right outside of the camp and find a place to be alone until nightfall. Tom wasn't very comfortable with him saying that. Um, I think he's going to go hang out in the woods a ways outside the camp as well. And just, he doesn't want to be inside the walls. If you are leaving, return at nightfall and we will be ready for you. Thank you, ma'am. Steal yourself, Igmit. The things you see may be troubling at first, but cathartic in the end. Uh, ma'am? Yes? 
What does cathartic mean? <laughs> it means that you'll feel better, but first you're going to feel worse. Alrighty. Thank you. Alright, so you guys head out uh, side of the York camp. Is there anything specific that you want to do, or do you want me to just fast forward to nightfall? Yeah, uh, fast forwarding is fine. Tom is going to be just as awkward alone in the forest as he was in the desert. <laughs> okay. So you guys spend some time alone with your thoughts, and uh, as night begins to descend upon you, you guys head back into the orc camp, and coincidentally, at about the same time, you guys pass through the gates within... 30 seconds of each other, unless one of you, unless you uh, want to wait up, because you definitely see, I'd say Igmet's probably in front, so you could wait up for Tom if you wanted, otherwise you can just head uh, in, because the gates are just opening up for you. Yeah, I'll just head in. But as you guys get into this camp, there are no longer orcs lining this thoroughfare, but instead you can see tons of torchlights lining this ruin. And you get the feeling that that is where you need to be. Then yeah, I'll, I'll walk up to the torches. So as you guys get closer, you can hear the chanting and drumming going on. And as soon as you sort of come around this ruin and you can get to where there's an opening to see all of the fires burning. There's three in basically a row in the center of this ruin and then just large pieces of sandstone block just lined with orcs who are chanting or dancing or drumming or anything along those lines. And you can see Wiyuke is in the center and she's got on this massive headdress with all sorts of uh, feathers and and of different colors and variety and she is chanting something in a language that is definitely not orcish and but at the same time some of the words you do understand uh, Igmet and as soon as you guys sort of cross into this ruin she stops and looks over at both of you and beckons you to come closer with one arm. And she's got on this long brown shawl with these sort of geometric patterns that are woven into it. And it's beautiful and very colorful, just like the headdress that she's wearing. And she's got this staff that's got a pronghorn skull with the antlers still attached to it. Um, up at the tip of it and you guys uh, come closer and she kind of motions for you guys to kneel in between um. so basically the way that she wants you guys is that each of you would be in between a fire you know what I mean so there's three of them and so you guys are on either side of the center fire okay and she looks over towards you guys and nods and then looks around and you hear her yell something out in the in orcish tom but uh igmit you recognize it as let the ritual begin and the drumming then immediately begins to intensify as 
a couple of other orcs that are dressed in similar shawls, but they're definitely males just given how tall they are and, and just how wide and burly their frames are and just the length of their tusks as well. And they come up to either one of you um, and hand you a cup that's made out of clay and it's filled with this bubbling yellow liquid. And she motions to you both to drink it. Down the hatch. I drink it. The serum tastes bitter and has a very thick consistency to it. And you can feel the viscous liquid as it slides down into your stomach. And the drums and chanting grow louder for maybe 15 minutes or so before slowly the sharp edges that made up everything around you's outline begins to blur. And long finger-like lasers of light start to emanate from the central fires that you guys are around and also from the torches that are around you as well. And they sort of just pierce at your eyes for a minute and it takes a second for your eyes to adjust to just the intensity of this light. And the cacophony of the drumming and the chanting starts to meld with the beat of your heart almost. And Yuke is in the center and she seems taller now. And she's moving back and forth between you guys, holding onto a pipe that's filled with tobacco, and she's lighting it up and breathing in deeply and then inhaling in both of your faces, and you can see the smoke as it billows around your body and wafts into the air. And for whatever reason, especially you, Tom, the smell of it just kind of relaxes and calms you, even though everything around you is changing. What, what are you guys thinking? What's going through your head right now at this moment? Igmet is just amazed, just uh, awestruck, and uh, trying to take it all in uh, and cherishing the moment. Tom is thinking as an investigator and taking kind of mental notes. All right, and uh, she stops doing that for a while, and she begins to look up at the sky and chant again in... And then she looks out towards her people and starts to yell at the top of her lungs. The great desert spirit fills all of us, formless and swirling. It is the energy that gives us life. It is where we return when we become dust. It is creation and destruction. And now for the first time, these warriors will become Gijak. They will see the spirit all around us. They will become one with the clan. And it takes a little bit longer, but then the drumming begins to build up more and this cacophony becomes a din as it fills your ears and echoes throughout your skull. And you can see swirling blue and red and yellows begin to appear in the air and around everything, and everything else is almost muted in color. The brightness of this swirling energy is even more shocking to your eyes than the firelight was before, but as you adjust, you can see this shaman is moving the energy around and it moves throughout and within her body. And her shocks of black hair are dancing and shimmering in the light this energy just begins to swirl and form into 
pronghorns that are leaping through the pinholes that make up the sky. And she gets very close to your face, Tom. And you can see that the energy is almost moving back and forth between you. And every breath that you take is drawing in some of it. And she says, call upon your God. Call upon him for a favor. Me? What God? Your God. The one that you worship. Ask him for a favor. You mean this strange spirit that you're speaking about? All pretenses about lying and holding back are gone at this point. You you feel not comfortable per se, but you feel as though your inhibitions are gone. Very well. I see that we are quite open with one another right now. And to be honest, it feels good to be honest. So here you go. Tom is kind of showing off with her now that he's had to He's had to pretend for so long that he's this humble servant with no powers, but uh, now that she's revealed who he truly is, he's going to try and show off a little bit, and he starts causing the earth to tremble, and his eyes glow, and his voice starts to boom as he calmly says, Will this do? So as you breathe in to say that, you see that the, the energy is filling your lungs, and you can feel it moving around your body, and you watch it as it's forcing the earth to bend to your will. And you realize that when you look around at all of the other orcs that are not Wiyuke, the shaman in front of you, the energy does not swirl as much around them as it is around you and her. And you think that you just used this energy to do that. Do I feel like I have a sense of how to harness it? You think that uh, that you might want to do a little bit more experimenting, but you definitely have an idea of what you're doing, yes. You see, it, it does swirl inside of you. It touches you like no other in this area. You see it now, don't you? I see something. That is the spirit. Are you insinuating that your spirit would aid me my works for Ernie. No. Go further. Give in to it. Let the serum take you to where your mind will be unlocked. And you will find your answers there. And she backs away from your face and the fires flare up around you and she begins to gyrate and ululate and the drumming gets much, much, much louder, and Igmit, you begin to see all of these geometric shapes sort of forming in a tunnel around you, and you're looking down at your hands, and your hands are also these shapes. They're this this mass of, of energy that just seems to be... that seems to be almost formless, and then all of a sudden, you're above yourself. And you get this feeling that you just died or or something like it. Because you can see yourself from the outside. You can see your face. There's sort of just this, this vacant look upon it. You can see your tusks and your vaguely orcish and humanoid face and and your animal skins and some of the some of the pronghorn blood that is still staining your clothes at this point. 
your scattergun slung across your back along with your arrows, and then you begin to travel at a speed that you've never moved at before through this this tunnel of just a myriad of colors, and you find yourself sitting on a porch, and there's an old man sitting next to you, and you look down and your hands are human. What happened there, feller? You look like you uh, just saw a ghost. Where am I? Well, you're on our porch, of course. No, no, um, this is a dream. Uh, who are you? Oh, you know me. I'm Igmet. Now let me finish telling you that story about Uncle Henry. Now, you remember how Uncle Henry was real territorial-like and always sat on his porch with that, that there rifle. Always sat there. Always worried about bandits coming in and taking the cattle. Always worried some folk were going to burn down the farmhouse. Burn down the crop. Just a real paranoid sort. Put a bullet in any man who we found on the property. Nice as a gentleman to Victoria's wife. You know Aunt Victoria, real nice woman. Her pies are delicious. Treated his dog well. But something about that property said he was bringing justice. He goes for a ride maybe three days back and he gets lost, searching for hours and hours and hours till he finds a house and he don't think nothing of it. He's just looking for directions, you know, he's just got to find his way back to the farmhouse. No big deal, he's gonna go knock, ask for directions, and find his way home. And the next thing you know, some feller up and shoots him. And right then and there, your vision goes back to that geometric shapes, and you begin to go through that tunnel again. And you find yourself back in the fires, and or near the fires, and you're looking, and you can see Wiyuke is still gyrating and ululating and you can feel the the drums just beating on the inside of your head and you just you just find yourself in a in sort of this weird state that you've never really been in before in your entire life as your body still feels as though it's not there like everything is just very light and tingly as you experience it um do you, do you want to tell us what's going through your mind, or should I move back to Tom? I'm just, my mind is blown. Yeah, I'm trying to separate reality from fantasy, and I'm watching Wayuke, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what that vision was supposed to be. You know, I, did I see myself from someone else's point of view? Um, and I'm just caught up in the haze, and all of the movement. Tom, are you letting yourself sink deeper into this state? Tom is experiencing curiosity mixed with amusement. 
and it's insatiable at this point, so he's definitely going to go deeper. You come out of yourself, and you look down, and you see your tattered hat, your pale face. You begin to go straight down into the sand, and you're going past all different layers of sediment and rocks and things like that until eventually you find yourself soaring over these bubbling lakes of fire that are just these myriad of blacks and reds and orange and yellow and whites and you can just see the heat is emanating off of these these lakes and there's these huge towers of black stone that are rising up in the distance in front of you and these horrible winged creatures that some of them have some of them have claws and some of them have dog-like faces and pig-like snouts and they're all stabbing and prodding at these other rivers of bluish figures and they're the faces of these figures are contorted in agony and all of this is sort of flowing towards this massive black castle with these looming spires that sort of seem to be obscured in this heat that is radiating off of them. And you find yourself flying into one of these windows and you're winding down these obsidian corridors and you're moving through them until you come into this massive throne room. And you can see upon a throne of skulls, there sits a massive creature. Its face a swollen mass of jagged black glass. Gray horns protrude from its temples and spiral down the sides of its head. And a mane of pure fire between them runs down the back of its neck. And blood red eyes stare menacingly into you. Its serrated teeth seem to jut directly out from a, t a metallic black plate that forms up its chin and jaw, and its chest and torso are armored in a plate mail that seems to be made of a molten rock, and again this heat is visible in the air around it. And in this creature's hand, it its massive hand, there is this platinum sword. Its edge just seems to almost disappear in the blackness. It's so impossibly sharp. And these dark currents of energy sort of ripple and shake through the blade as it moves up to this carving of a reptilian creature with these wings outstretched to make up the blade's guard. And as you're sort of taking in everything about this creature, this feeling of pure terror begins to creep into you as you begin to pull back past the lakes of fire and past the rivers of souls and all of these demon-like creatures and you go back into the sediment and then back into your body and you're sort of shaking in this energy that's swirling all around you and you can see Wiyuke is shaking uh, and gyrating and uulating in front of you as these drums are just building up and, and echoing throughout your skull. And then everything seems to go black for you.